the rhythm of worship, when it's working well, works right, is that if God answers that prayer to pour it out, he pours it in us, then the opportunity for us is that we now pour out into the world what God has put into us. That's where worship comes full circle in being able to create transformational opportunities. That's why we gather, that's why we worship, that's why God has called us into his world to live our lives as living sacrifices for his glory. Thank you very much for coming. You may be seated. My name is Jonathan Scott. I am one of the pastors here, and I am delighted and honored and glad for all of you that are here in this room, or for those of you that are watching online, gathered wherever you may be, in one of our campuses or at home. Thanks for being a part of this. What we do every Sunday morning when we gather for worship, it's foundational. We hope that there's a catalyst of transformation that happens, but truthfully, transformation happens more so out there. We wanna make sure that what we do in here affects the quality of our lives, and we wanna do everything we can to connect you to dynamic life in Christ as bridge builders in Jesus Christ. And so, for those of you that may be here, maybe this is your first time at Forest Hill Church, thanks for coming, or maybe you're new, or been the first time in a, in a while, thanks for coming back, and we wanna connect you. The QR code that's available to you on the screens, you can go ahead and scan that, let us know how we can help you to further in your faith, whether it's becoming a part of the church as a member of the church, or to be actually connected to the church through Jesus Christ for the first time, maybe through baptism, or maybe to join a group of people, community of, of like-minded believers who also can help you in your faith journey. We wanna do all we can to help you move forward in your faith, as well to continue to support the ministry of this church in our desire to make that kind of impact in this city and around the world. Your financial contributions are needed and also deeply appreciated. For all of those of you that give, thank you for helping us accomplish what God has called us to do. And the QR code is the way as well for you to connect to the way, those opportunities for you to give and support what God is doing here in this city and around the world. So thank you again for your contributions. As we move into our uh, lesson for today, as we're continuing the study on 2 Peter, got a question for you. How many of you right now are dealing with memory issues? At whatever age that is, you're dealing with memory, just the difficulty of remembering things, like why you walked into a room in the first place, or what, what it is that you forgot to do that you wrote down and you can't even read your own writing. There's a story about a couple, husband and wife, who are also dealing with their memory issues. Each of them have unique memory issues. And the wife says to her husband, would you mind getting me a bowl of ice cream with whipped cream on it? He says, no problem, I got that for you. She says, do you need to write that down? He's like, no, I got it. Whipped cream, ice cream, no, no problem. And she says, well, would you mind adding crushed nuts to that? And she says, okay, I'll take care of that for you. And she says, are you sure you don't need to write that down? That's, that's, that's a lot. And she says, that's nothing, I, I can do that. And then she says, well, would you mind putting a cherry on top of that? And then she says, look, I really do think you need to write this thing down. And she's like, woman, I know exactly what you want. You want ice cream, whipped cream on top, nuts on top of that, and a cherry on top. I've got it. He goes away. A few minutes later, comes back with a plate of scrambled eggs and bacon. And she says, that's why I told you to, wrote it, to write this thing down. You forgot the toast. Both of them are struggling with their memory issues. And as, as far as where we are concerned, regardless of the age, whether it's neurological or neurocognitive, maybe from trauma or uh, from strokes, some of us, as, as far as are getting older, can experience those memory problems. But here's the thing. Even for those of us that are not up there in age, because of what happens with fatigue, with stress, the bombardment of anxieties, obligations, the demands of life, the noise that's around, it can cause any one of us to kind of experience memory or remembrance impairment. But that also shows up in the way and the quality of our relationships with other people, how we live our lives. And we discover that in life, our problems take place when we forget what we should remember, forget the things we should remember, and we remember the kinds of things that we should forget. 
to forget the quality of our life, our commitments, our, our, our identity, all that Christ has given to us. We can sometimes forget what we should remember and instead remember our past, our failures, those tragedies and triumphs, and they become predominant, which affects the quality of how we can live our lives on purpose in light of all that has been given to us. Which is where we come into this passage, dealing with the fact of, of what God's intention for us, when we do memory, we are remembering those significant people, events, the lessons we've learned, and that those are the ones that are to nourish the quality of how we live our life, and that when we forget those things, it short circuits our ability and our potential of being able to experience life as God designed it. All throughout Scripture, memory is an important thing with God's people. He intended for them to remember how powerful his grace was to them, his love, his deliverance, in such things as through memorial stones or monuments that actually kept in memoriam the way that God had been faithful. And then Scripture memory, to make sure that we memorize Scripture in a way that we can keep our hearts pure in our pursuit of, of, of uh, relationship with Jesus. And in Jesus, even with his last supper, with the bread and the cup, he said that as often as you do this, you do this in remembrance of me. Memory is such a powerful and important thing that we need to remember, to remember what's important. Which brings us to this particular passage, because here's the thing. Remembering is not simply about cognitive recall. That what we remember is designed to help us to respond in ways that reflect what we're remembering. So here, second book of 2 Peter, it is Peter, the disciple of Jesus Christ, who's now writing his second letter during the mid part of the very first century and writing to Christians scattered all over Asia Minor. And this man is trying to help these believers, these saints, then and now to remember all that has been given to them, who they are in Christ, all that Christ is, and to also encourage us to supply to our faith certain virtues that help us and keeps us from being ineffective and unfruitful in our relationship. And so we understand that sometimes in spite of knowing that we've been given a lot, there's been so much that has been invested and entrusted to us that because of the way that we handle life, the way that we respond to some of those challenges and struggles that cause us to forget our convictions, to weaken our commitments, to leave aside the compassion that we're called for, that we can actually forget those kinds of things. And so Peter desires to stir in the hearts of these saints that reminder of who they are and all that they have. And so he has this passionate, this priority to help people to pursue Christ with clarity and with purpose. And so we take a look at this passage from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Over and over again, as you'll see, Peter emphasizes this priority of remembering. So in the honor of the reading of God's word, as is our habit here, if you are able, wherever you may be, let me ask you to stand to your feet. We'll take a look at this passage from Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. Here's what he says. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth that you now have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside this tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Recall, remember, a reminder. These are the words of the Lord. You may be seated. As we address Peter's reminder to his people to remember, 
we take a look at Peter's intention, his very clear intention in this very first verse of chapter 1, verse 12. He says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth that you now have. In other words, Peter's not dealing with novices. He's not dealing with newbies. These are people that, that have the truth. They are gospel-grounded. They're Christ-centered. The truth is in them, and they're established in that truth in the sense that they know what they're doing. They know how to do it, but Peter's yet continuing to remind them to further fortify their faith. But they have it. They know it. Which is a word for those of us that kind of want new knowledge. Now, personally, I have a problem with bananas. Okay, I have a problem with bananas. I enjoy bananas with my cereal, my vanilla almond milk. Plus, in my fruit salad, I like bananas, I like melons, I like pineapples, and I like grapes. But my problem with bananas is that sometimes I will buy more bananas than I need, and I forget that I have some at the house, which is like a delight for my wife, I may, who wonders why I'm always coming back to the house. Whenever I'm going to the grocery store, I always seem to come back with like three or four bananas. Not a bunch, I don't buy the whole bunch because I'm not gonna eat all, the whole bunch, but three or four bananas I'm always coming back with because I'm forgetting that there are bananas in the house that are already there that are not gonna be used. And quite frankly, sometimes there's like an entire banana tree growing up out of the rotten bananas that are on top of my refrigerator because I have not used those things. Right? But I'm always bringing back these new bananas that I'm not necessarily gonna continue to consume before they rot. There's a connection with that for some of us who always want new information, whether it's through blogs or podcasts or books or articles. We're taking in, writing notes, and getting more and more new information. Here's a question. What are we doing with the information that we're getting? Are we simply just storing it? Or are we putting that information to use? For many of us, we have more than enough knowledge that if we didn't hear or get anything new, we could spend the rest of our life putting into practice what we already know. The issue for Peter is that these people, they're already established, they already have it, they know it, and therefore it's about how to maximize what we have by putting it to use rather than continue to incorporate and add more and more. Now, here's the thing. Transformation, true transformation requires application of knowledge, not just the acquisition of it. Putting what we know into practice to help us in our growth. So here's a nice little phrase for you. If you want to grow... Do what you know. Don't just keep collecting stuff. Actually put into practice what has been established in your life, and that can fortify your faith. The word there in the scriptures for memory or recall, remember, the same word we get for the word mnemonic. And mnemonic is that kind of device that actually assists a person in being able to recall facts or stimulate their memory. So Peter, in a sense, is a living mnemonic device his desire is to stimulate the recall of people, and he is making himself responsible to doing everything he can to see that happen in the lives of these that he loves. When he talks about the fact of these things, he says, I want to remind you of these things. What's he talking about? It could be most certainly some of the things that have been said in Scripture, what Jesus and the apostles have mentioned to them in the past. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter chapter 3, Verse 1, Peter records, that was we'll talk about later on. Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord Jesus, our Lord and Savior, given through the apostles. So that's one way that he's trying to stimulate these things. The content of what he's reminding them of is powerful. 
I think he's referring to what he's just said in chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. As a matter of fact, he says the word in verse 12, therefore. Therefore is connected to something that came before that. And so in Bible study, whenever you see the therefore, you have to know what the therefore is therefore. And taking a look, we find out that Peter has reminded these people, shared with them the investments that have been made. So let's take a look just briefly on what's taken place over the first 11 verses. Verses 3 through 4, he reminds them that they've been given powerful, precious, great promises and the power that enables people to actually participate in the divine nature. And then he tells them in verses five through eight that they are to supplement their own faith with these particular virtues of goodness and knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love, that these are to be increasing in measure to prevent them from becoming unfruitful or ineffective. By the way, last week, Jason kind of issued a challenge that we would take a look at those virtues that I just mentioned and identify which one of those particular virtues is God kind of signaling to you that needs to be supplemented more in your life. Not all of them, but just one of them. So we don't normally do this a lot, but let me ask a question. How did you do? How did you do on allowing Christ to help you to stimulate or supplement that particular aspect in your life? Or did you just write the note down and then forget about it and get on with your life? Or was there a, the intention to say, no, you know something, I want to grow in my faith, and so I want to take seriously what has been invested, what has been entrusted to me? Can I tell you that for me, as I took a look at that list last week, I recognized that the thing that I needed to supply more energy and diligence and effort to was in perseverance. No, specifically, not perseverance of merely getting through life's challenges, although I need that, but persevering in prayer, to persevere in prayer, to be more diligent, to invite God into my situations and to rely upon God through the exercise of prayer. So that's something that I'm continuing to work on and that I need to see become even more fruitful in my life. What's it for you? Don't just simply hear it, but also put it into to practice. Peter would go further to talk about the magnitude, therefore, of what it means that we have been forgiven and cleansed from our past sins. Folks, that's, that's worthy to stop for a minute and just reflect on. What does it mean that the power and the significance that you and I, through Jesus Christ, that we have been completely forgiven and cleansed from all of our sins, and we stand before God in the righteousness of Christ. Peter would encourage them also to remember that they are to experience the diligence of understanding and confirming God's call and election, and then to live with a hope anticipating the rich welcome that we will receive in the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. These things, Peter says, I want to make sure that you are continuing, that you bring those into recall. He then says, I always want to remind you of this. Always. As if Peter is saying, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I'm living, whenever we have an opportunity, I'm going to make sure I do everything I can to stimulate your growth and your faith. Which means that I'm sure that there are going to be some small talk conversations, right? They're going to probably talk about what's happening on the West Jerusalem Football League. Or they're going to talk about the stocks and bonds market. What's, what's, what's happening there? A little prison joke there, stocks and bonds. Or about what, what's happening with the weather or what's happening with your family. But here's what Peter's saying. Eventually, in our conversation, I'm going to be bringing up your kingdom priority. I care about your eternal destiny. So at some particular point in the conversation, 
what's important to both of us, I'm gonna do everything I can to simulate that within you. I wonder to what degree are we intentional in speaking to people of faith that eventually, once we get around to it, that there's going to be a conversation, an interchange about what is eternal, about what's important in us. Peter says, I wanna make sure I'm always going to remind you of these things. It seems as if Peter is on a mission. There's a powerful driving motivation for why Peter's doing this. And I think it's a couple of things. Number one, the content of what Peter is, wants people to remember, that in and of itself is worthy of the inspiration and the motivation to bring and to stimulate recall. As a matter of fact, Peter's life has been absolutely transformed by this higher view of the gospel, this, this impact of Jesus Christ in his own life. If you remember, Peter had kind of an ethnocentric racism situation he was dealing with where it was only about the Jews. And Paul even had to confront Peter at one particular point, but all throughout his life, he continued to grow in that level to the point to where this particular letter and the one before, Peter was writing not just to Jews, Peter's writing to exclusively all Gentiles all over, the, over Asia Minor. In other words, he's been transformed in realizing that this gospel, Christ, is for everyone, and he's now the mouthpiece through which that gospel is communicated. But see, I think there's another motivation for why Peter wants to help people recall we find it in verse 13, he says this, I think it is right as long as I'm in this bodily tent to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent, as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. So Peter knows his time is limited. There are a couple of conversations um, before the resurrection that, and around the resurrection that Jesus had with Peter. On the night that he was betrayed and that Peter denied him, Jesus told Peter he was going to deny that he even knew him. Peter resisted that. And then Jesus said in Luke chapter 22, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And after you have returned, when you've turned back, strengthen the brothers. That word for strengthen is the same word Peter used in this letter for establish, to fortify faith. He's doing that. He spent the rest of his life, 30 years, encouraging saints then and the saints today as well. But if you remember, there was that other conversation on the beach that Jesus had with Peter, reinstating Peter, where Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And Peter would say, Lord, yes, I love you. You know that I love you. Then Jesus would say, well, then take care of my sheep. Shepherd the flock. Tend to my lambs. Feed my sheep. And so here's the thing. Somehow, from that particular conversation until the present, even though in that conversation, Jesus on the beach let Peter know how Peter was going to die. He let Peter know through a, a imagery that Peter was going to be crucified there on the beach. But he didn't tell Peter when, but somehow between that point and the writing of the letter, Jesus had let Peter know that it would be soon. He was no longer gonna be on the planet. He was gonna be depart from here and arrive in front of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, within one to two years of this letter, both Peter and Paul would be martyred. So Peter knows that his time is limited. His time is short. And he wants to make sure that when he has his appointment with Jesus, I'm sure he wants to make sure that his life, his ministry has been faithful in response to what God has given to him. May I say this to you and to me? Our time's limited. I don't know that any of us here know exactly when that's gonna happen, and if you do, I would love to have a conversation with you, but we know that our time's limited. Either Jesus is coming to us or we are going to him, and for every single one of us, there is an appointment
appointment that is already set when we face him. We encounter Jesus face to face. May I ask you, what are you doing with the time now that you have in preparation for that appointment with him to offer a life that is faithful in pursuit of the priorities that Christ has placed on you, that Christ is sharing with you? So part of the motivation is what's coming for Peter, but I also know that part of the motivation for Peter is also what's coming for the saints. Because what's going to happen for them and what they're dealing with right now is they're dealing with persecution. And the persecution is going to intensify over the next several years under Emperor Nero. It's going to get worse. In addition to the fact that there are going to be heretical teachers and preachers, false prophets who are going to undermine the quality of their faith. Peter knows that it's coming and he wants to prepare them for that challenge. Very similar to parents, right? There are times when we are with our children and they're going through different transitions in life. For instance, like when you're dropping your, your son or daughter off to their dorm at college for the first time and you're getting ready to leave. Or maybe they're you're helping, helping them get their apartment set up for the very first time. Or maybe it's the night before their wedding and you're gonna have that conversation. With me, it was with my son on his way to basic training, his departure for basic training, and we're in the car together and I'm having the conversation with Nathan to remind him of who he is, his identity in Christ, the solidarity of his family, the values, the virtues, the environment that he's going to be facing, and that he's got to maintain a commitment to Christ who maintains a commitment to him. Those kinds of conversations, because as parents who've gone ahead, we kind of know what's coming. We know what they're going to face, and we want to do everything in our life to prepare them and set them up, both as they're growing up in our house, but in that moment before they take off, before we depart and they're on their own. And I think that's what's going on with Peter. He knows he's about to leave, and so he has this opportunity in this particular letter to say, look, in light of what's coming, and we're going to talk about that in a few weeks, in light of what's coming, I want to remind you of who you are, all you have, the responsibilities, the priorities that are facing you so that you can succeed, that you'll be successful in what God has called you. Because here's the thing that you and I both know. Sometimes in life, because of the challenges that we face, the the distractions, the anxieties, the stress, the pain, the suffering, that it can cause us to lose our grip on what is important, and we're just reacting to things that are around us in the way that the culture is, the way that things are so crazy. It can cause us to lose sight of what is important. For what's going on in our world that's affecting you, What's going on in your life, the challenge that you're facing? What have you forgotten to remember? What have you forgotten to remember? Those things at some particular point in your life, you dedicated yourself in commitment to Jesus Christ to rely upon him, to seek God's will for your life, and there have been things that have been kind of trying to throw you off of that. So here are Peter's words in this message. Remember to remember what's important. Remember to remember what's important. Time is limited. Which also helps us understand that Peter has a course of action. In verse 15, he says this, and I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. Now, out of all the verses, I had a problem with this one. Because nowhere through the rest of the, of the letter do we actually hear the strategies. In other words, how did Peter actually intend in making every effort to see that happen? Uh, it might have been the fact that he was writing this letter 
1 Peter and 2 Peter, that they were written for the purpose of encouraging believers. That certainly can be the case. As a matter of fact, that letter has been used to encourage Christians for 2,000 years, including to the, to the present. Or maybe it was around the fact that, that around that time, he was going to dictate his experiences with Jesus to John Mark, and John was going to write that down in the Gospel of Mark, which was basically based on Peter's experience about Jesus Christ, and people would be able to read that and be encouraged by that. But here's a, a situation. During that particular day, people couldn't refer to their pocket or their home New Testament because the New Testament hadn't been compiled and published for like hundreds and hundreds of years later. And it's not as if Peter, writing to all the saints all over Asia Minor, that they were all going to get their own individual copies. Even though there's a powerful oral tradition that when they hear, they're able to commit that to memory, how is that going to be done? I think at this point we have some kind of freedom and license for creatively identifying what that might have looked like then and maybe also for us now. So let me suggest to you some recall strategies, some recall strategies of how to remember to remember what's important. Number one, when you are with Christ alone, process what you've learned. Take the time to actually go over the things that you've learned, which may require some time of peace and some stillness and some quiet to go over passages, go over notes, the things that we've written down, and to take the time to process how that's impacting our life. My mom, uh, who was um, one of the greatest disciples in my life, and as she's getting uh, up in age, she is dealing with memory issues. The short term is a problem, long term is still pretty steady. And my mom, whenever I call her, she always says the same thing. When I call her, I say, Mom, how you doing? She's like, I do what I can, and I can the rest. That's what she says to me, do what I can, can the rest. But I had the opportunity several weeks ago of being able to spend time at, at home with my mother. It was just her, and dad was out, uh, Christine and uh, members of our family, they were out. It was just mom and I at home. And as I've mentioned to you, I grew up listening to their music, that King Cole, uh, Perry Como, Ben Crosby, those people, especially the, the religious. And my mom was on the couch, and she was just sitting. I think she was uh, half asleep, but she was just resting. It was just a peaceful environment at the house. And I hooked up my MP3 player to play off, off Spotify some of Perry Como's religious songs. And my mom, who struggles with the short term, I watched her, and music has this powerful effect on memory. And I watched her as she, with her eyes closed in this relaxed position of peace, in perfect recall, was singing the lyrics of the song without missing a beat. And as she was doing that, I just, I just watched her. There was a wave of peace over me. And it brought about recall of my childhood and brought recall of the impact of, of her and my dad's influence on my life and the sense that there are times in our home where that home was filled with so much peace and that kind of music. And it brought me to a certain sense of calm and peace, just watching. It's one of the reasons why I think the term quiet time is, is good because <laughs> it's difficult to be able to focus on what we've learned if we're in busy time. But when we're quiet, when we're away from the distractions, we take out our journals things that we've written down, and we actually go back over the stuff we've written. With Jesus, we're asking him, Lord, how well am I doing on these particular priorities, these particular steps, that when we're with him, we're processing what we've learned, reciting it, rephrasing it, reviewing the quality of his influence in our life. That's number one a strategy. Number two strategy is what we can do with others. What we can do with others. 
that we come together in that one-on-one or small groups or bridge groups with people who are like-minded and we're looking into their face, we're looking into their eyes and we're sharing, we're experiencing vulnerability about how we are also sharing in the journey. We're sharing what we've learned with people. To share with them our struggles, our triumphs, our tragedies, our triumphs, our successes, the insights that we've gained, that we're actually talking to one another. We may not be right now looking into the book. We're looking at each other and saying, here's what is happening in my life because of this truth. Here are the problems that I'm experiencing. Here are the ways that Christ is meeting my needs. And we do so with one another in community, sharing with one another what we've learned. That's one of the reasons why it's so vital for us to be a part of a group like the Bridge Groups, where we have people that we can interact and engage real life issues as we share what we've learned. But number three, another strategy I think is in Christ, what we do for others. In Christ, intentionally what we do for others when our intention is to transfer what we have learned. Transfer the impact that God has made into our life by investing in the growth of others. Many people have been so grateful and overjoyed with Forest Hill over several months ago, starting a brand new kind of a mentoring initiative where people who have a little bit more experience, maybe a little bit more knowledge, they're intentionally investing to transfer what they've learned to those who are open and who desire to be able to grow in their faith. The commitment of one person to grow in their personal faith by transferring what they've learned to help other people grow as well. Folks, I don't know of many things more powerful to help us become more established in the recall to remember what's important by investing our life and time with other people. Such a dire priority, especially in our next-gen ministry, for people to invest in our children, in our youth, to transfer to them what they have learned. As a matter of fact, let me invite you to take a look at this particular video that has a testimony of what some parents, some fathers did, rather than just simply dropping their children off at the curb, they stepped in to a process of investing their life with these teenagers. Take a look at this video. My name is Bill Sturry, and my family and I have attended the Ballantyne campus for the past uh, 16 years. And we were big believers in the advanced youth program there at Ballantyne. So we were dropping our kids off, just like all the parents do on Sunday night. And I said to myself, instead of just dropping my son off, I'm gonna be a part of the program. The most important thing to say about Mike is he's older than I am. So when you talk to Mike, you gotta make sure he may, hopefully he'll accept that. So this group of young men, they're phenomenal. These guys have, have, I won't say bonded with me, but they certainly have tolerated me and they certainly have let, let me in into their hearts and into their lives. And, and so it's just been good for me to know that God's in control. It doesn't matter how old or how young. Uh, and, 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 and we've had a ball. We've, we've played football together. We've had Bible studies together. We've eaten together. We've jumped in a pool and acted like a bunch of monkeys. But we've had a great time and it's just shown me that it doesn't matter if I'm 25 or 65, God can use us all. So I mean, I'm there, my son's there. It's kind of great to be there with my son. Mike was asked to come back and be a part of this uh, uh, life group thing in advance, and he did. So the fact that he would sacrifice his time the way he has and come back to the program because he knew it was the right thing to do for the church and for these young men, I, I have a tremendous amount of respect for Mike. Bill and I work off each other so well. Bill's very organized. Bill's the one that gets everybody to the meetings and gets everybody involved. Uh, Bill has certainly opened up his house and we've been over there many times, but, but Bill and I have been a great, 
great team working with this group of guys. We've served the homeless uptown a number of times, putting them in a position where they're actually looking into the face of a homeless person, and they're looking into their face with love and with care and uh, with respect, and they're there basically doing what Jesus asks all of us to do. None of this would have happened without our life group leaders, Mr. Mike and Mr. Bill. They've served as our role models by giving their time. I hope to be as intentional with my time and be as good as a role model when I've been given the opportunity. Uh, life's wild, problems just happen, and being able to talk about those problems with guys that are going through similar things has completely changed my outlook on life. Always seeing these same core members in our life group is uh, it's like it's like an anchor. It's like an anchor in, in our faith, especially since it's usually the same couple of guys that even though we don't see each other for a long time, we always get together. It feels like we didn't, we never even took a break. I realized that the people that you're surrounding yourself with in a life group transcends the regular basic relationships that you build and you're building an eternal connection with people that have the same desire as you. And it just doesn't get any better than that. So, so I would encourage men that are older, you, you may have some time and, and certainly the youth here at Forest Hill and, and anywhere need role models. They need men willing to invest their times and their energies. And, and, and not only that, it's not so much that I've said anything, it's just that I've been there. And I think that that's been more important than anything, is just being willing to spend some time with these young men. To have the same experience I had, instead of dropping your son or daughter off on the curb, park your car, go in, and truly experience the Lord with, with your son or daughter by your side, and it's something that you'll never forget. And you'll never regret the time that you committed to it. So I, I, would, I would really like to see a little more diversity with, with the parents being more involved in life group leadership than, than what we've had. So that, that'd be my challenge, I guess. It's time, it's time to get involved. Uh, I think we, we, we take, as Christians, we take getting fed and getting more mature, that's great. But there's a point in time you've got to just step out and, and put your faith into action. These high schoolers need you. They want you, they relate to you. And so get off your couch and, and get involved in these young people's lives. I think it would, you would find it to be a, a remarkable experience, both for them and for you. Isn't that awesome? I love that. Get off your couch and put faith in action. Here's the thing. I think that maybe what Peter intended was that the way he was going to make sure that people could further in their faith was that there would be qualified men and women who would take responsibility for investing their life in the next generation of believers. And for those of you that are interested, the youth need you, the children need your investment of their life. And so that QR code, I invite you to scan because we're inviting folks to actually put their faith into action by investing whether you're a parent or you're not a parent, but you've got some experience, you've got some knowledge, we encourage you to be a part of Forest Hill's desire to bless the next gen, but not only youth, but also adults. We've got people who are still coming to Christ and they need those who are further along in their journey to be able to help to encourage in that process. Overall, as we bring this message to a close, the big idea or at least the big challenge is this. Remember to remember what's important. Make time to remember to remember what is important, to remember who you are as a child of God, to remember whose you are, this God who purchased you at the extravagant cost of Jesus Christ and through resurrection power has given you all that you need 
for life and godliness. That you remember that and to put that into practice by leaning in and leaning on to share what you've learned, process what you've learned, and transfer what you've learned so that other people can experience a stronger, more established faith because of you. Folks, here's the thing. When you invest your life with other people, your faith grows stronger as well. And as much as they need us, we need them to help our faith become everything that it can be. So, if you want to grow, do what you know. Remember to remember and move forward with what is important for the glory of God and for his goodness in the lives of those he connects us with. Let's pray. Father, many of us in this room right now, if we would take the time to remember the people who invested in us that gave us the faith that we now have. They invested, they sacrificed. Lord, help us to honor that investment by doing the same thing and finding our faith fortified even further. Help us not to forget all that has been done for us, but to recall vividly with clarity so that our lives will reflect what we remember, who we remember. I pray for those that are here that wherever there may be struggles, recalling your resources that Jesus, you would move us into that position of victory and overcoming through your persevering love. And that our lives would count for being able to help make the life and the faith journey of others that much more powerful. We thank you and we praise you in our fellowship that your spirit gives us everything we need to succeed in a life devoted to you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let me ask you to stand to your feet and let's respond now in worship.